The gospel on this first Sunday of Advent is from the book of Mark, the 13th chapter. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be aware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey, when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. The Gospel of the Lord. Thank you, Kathy Schmidt. And I don't know if you noticed, but Kathy is wearing a blue shirt. So uh, she's got her right colors down. And kids, I have a little um, activity for you to do while Pastor Joel preaches. I want you to go around your house, and I want you to look for things that are blue. Now, I found a couple things at church already. You can't see in this sanctuary all around, but we have blue candles and I found a blue crayon, and I found a blue marble. I wore a blue scarf to church, and I want to give a shout out to my mother-in-law, Betty Horsch, who um, in a minute, I texted her and I said, do you have blue fabric? And she made for mass for Pastor Joel and I, each side a different color blue for us to wear in the season of Advent. So thank you for that, Betty. And so, kids, I want you to look for blue things in your house, and I want you to put them in your hands or put them in a pile. And for everyone out there, take a picture of your blue things with you in it, and I want your parents to text or email that to tech, T-E-C-H, at M-O-P-L-Y dot org, and we will show those pictures at the end of the service. And for any adults or older kids, if you want to take a picture of your Advent wreath or your things that you're placing by your Advent wreath or your nativity set, whatever, it's so helpful for us to see each other and how we worship in our homes, and we can have those collections of pictures. So kids, go get blue, and I look forward to seeing what you discover. Here's Pastor Joel. Grace and peace to you all on this first Sunday of Advent. Like most of you, our Thanksgiving was smaller this year. It was just the two of us in our house, Zooming with our immediate families. 
but it was a holiday, and so we decided to break out our formal dinnerware and eat at our dining room table. Since the pandemic began, Ryan and I have fallen into the rhythm of eating our dinner on a couch in front of the TV, and our dining room table hasn't seen much dining at all becoming instead a repository for bills and catalogs and bags and all the other stuff that just piles up. And so part of our Thanksgiving preparations this year was clearing off the table, sorting through all the odds and ends to make space for the meal. The meal itself was delicious. But I was surprised how much I was moved by the reminder that our dining room table could, in fact, be dined at. That underneath all the accumulated junk lay a sturdy and attractive slab of wood that was capable of hosting a feast. It's Advent again that four-week season of preparation. We are given this time to ready ourselves so that when we get to Christmas, the message of God being born into the world can find a place in us and take root and dwell deep within. And this season begins with a warning Keep awake, Jesus says. And he doesn't mean pull an all-nighter, or that we've got to live in a state of anxiety-induced watchfulness. Jesus explains that what he means by keeping awake, it's like a master who goes on a journey and leaves his servants in charge. This master declines to give his servants a date or a time for his return, simply telling them to be on watch. If the servants want to heed his words, there are certain tasks they must do, of course. Keep the pantry stocked and the ovens burning and the table set so that a meal can be prepared at a moment's notice and the return party can happen as soon as the master walks through the door. But I think the larger challenge for these servants is an internal one. They've got to remember, as day bleeds into day, that the concerns that jump up and vie for their time and attention are not all that is. That they are, in fact, waiting for something. They must not get so attached to the rhythm of their days that when the master suddenly appears at 3 a.m., they do not resent him for intruding on their schedule but they are in fact ready to drop everything and throw a party. They've got to remember that that dining room table is for feasting and resist the temptation to let it get blanketed by the worries each day brings. To do this, these servants must reserve some open space within them to steadily keep 
one eye peeled for their master, to hold their plans lightly and expect and even crave interruption. When Jesus tells us to keep awake, he is asking us to cultivate this kind of availability within ourselves. Keeping awake is about clearing off the dining room tables in your hearts and in your lives, ensuring that there is some space within you amid the bills and catalogs and cares of this world, space that can receive what you do not know, space to welcome in the guest and the stranger, especially the ones you weren't expecting. For this is how God appears in our life. This is what Advent is all about. Advent brings us back to the holy practice of welcoming the stranger, of making space within our homes and souls to receive our neighbors. For Advent reminds us that that is how Jesus came into the world a baby in a barn in an overlooked corner of an empire. His mother had to give birth in an unfamiliar place without the support of people she knew. God's arrival was inconvenient, unexpected, and borderline offensive. Yet this is how God entered the world in Jesus and this is how God enters the world in our lives, too. It's never on our timelines or schedules or when we decide it's convenient for us. God simply appears wherever and whenever God so chooses, refusing to conform to what we think should be on or off limits to God. It's less like Jesus' story of a master grandly returning with glory from his journey, and more like Jesus' own mother, grappling with the reality that her water has just broke and she'll have to give birth in a barn. We do not live in a world that assigns much meaning to these small and inconvenient intrusions of God. We live in a world where everything is crying for our attention, where all news is breaking, all threats are existential, a world that wants us to measure and compare, that wants every space packed, cram-jam full, that takes the tables we've designed for hospitality and fills them with piles of junk mail and catalogs and bills. It's loud out there, you know this, but it's a meaningless white noise, the kind that can put us to sleep. And if we are lulled to sleep by the world's messages, these messages to live only for ourselves and strive after success, to hold our immediate wants as the most real and pressing thing there is, to seek pleasure and avoid suffering at any and all costs, then we will pass by the place, places where God is appearing. We will have fallen asleep to the possibility of God's presence in the stranger. Our dining room tables will be buried under a blanket of white noise, and we will have no space 
to welcome God in. This is why we need Advent. This is the grace God gives us in this season. It's the gift of time to reorient our vision. The gift of space to clear out the detritus that the world heaps upon our souls. And the gift of the call to stay awake, to keep preparing, to anticipate welcoming in the unexpected stranger. For the promise is that God will come. So clear off your tables today. Like, literally, clear them off. We're doing Advent at home this year, so make space for a nativity and four candles. Put them somewhere where you will see them. Better yet, put them where you normally put the piles. Let them stand as a reminder to make room, to prepare, to welcome, to stay awake. For God is always coming into this world, and God will come to you. Amen.